and welcome to Thinking Rationally Irrationally, the podcast where we explore the human mind and human behavior. You may be a student of psychology, better yet, a curious individual eager to understand the human mind. Or you just enjoy a good conversation. We hope you'll find our discussions fruitful and entertaining. Hello people, I'm your host Kevin, and I'm joined today by my coach, Daniel, and welcome to Thinking Rationally and Rationally Podcast. All right, Graham. Uh, what you tell me is that Linda Bartley now holds the world record for the longest cooking marathon. Being Nigerian and Ghanaians, clouding out in the socials, must be impressive for the job of selling the tickets to the Guinness World Book of Records. Something interesting is that uh, people were on standby for three days to watch her cook. What do you think, Stanley? I think um, cooking, uh, setting the world record for cooking is uh, a remarkable achievement, uh, especially for an African. So I say the people uh, on standby waiting for her for, for three days, I think that's a great achievement. Well, uh, that's a great tip. I just found it to be the best highlight for the week, and I'm sure, like, along the week, uh, many events are yet to happen. But in this episode, we want to talk about uh, the psychological phenomenon of the bystander effect. So, we are going to define it and discuss factors contributing to it and outline the strategies for overcoming it and more and being more effective helpers. So I'll start with a slight experience. Mine. This one time I walked to an investor to perform a transaction. So this shop is situated in one of the busy Nairobi streets, opposite Jamiamo. So after I'm done I walk out casually only to remember I've forgotten my bag when I'm a few steps ahead of the street pavement. So something unusual happens when I go to pick it up. Just right in front of the shop's door, someone broke to the ground. Turns out this someone was suffering from this condition known as epilepsy. And it was shocking for me. I went about my business leaving all that behind. I don't know how we would have reacted to a similar situation. So, okay, in situations like that, okay, I've experienced someone at work uh, going through epilepsy, but it's a, a common mental uh, issue. So in your case, um, you see someone drop on the ground, and it was uh, in the city, so there are so many people around. So, okay, I want to give my check on that and what I've done. So uh, most of the time, I'll say it's hard to react, to go immediately and start helping and start to what's happening. And the reason why that, that is the case is because um, when there are so many people around in such an area, and someone uh, is going to do something, the bystander effect tends to kick in and uh, affect how people react. So in such a scenario, I can say that the bystander effect actually did guide your decision to just go on with your business. Uh, because also it refers to the tendency of individuals to 
be less likely to help or intervene in the bank emergency situation when others are present. So I think in such a situation, because uh, very around the mere most, there are so many people around them, uh, you felt like, yeah, because there are so many people, you felt like other people would have to intervene before you just send them to their business. So the downside of that is that other people also think the same and they end up not helping. So that's one of the, um, the, the issues with the Defender effect. So I don't know if I can add something about just another example. Well, before, before we even get to uh, like outlining examples and all that, um, I was just using it, I was using my story as an illustration of the topic of the day. And in essentially, you're talking about the bystander effect, and you've mentioned that it's the reluctance of someone to help someone in need. And you've mentioned that there are many people present. So it's up to one of those people present to take on responsibility. But it kind of reminds me of the good Samaritan story that encourages one to help someone in need. And what I discovered is that uh, the bystander effect was popularized by some two researchers called Bib Laten and John Daly. And it came about as a result of an infamous murder that happened in New York City. So this incident takes place in 1964 under the watch of about 37 to 38 people. So the witness that this woman by the name Katie Genovese gets stabbed to death. And none of these people you know actually calls the police. So these two researchers uh try to simulate emergency situations with college students being the key participants in the study and they formulate a clear pattern which is that the more the people are present then the likelihood of an individual to provide help decreases so let's say you have one person in a room and smoke is coming out of that room. Only one person is likely to notice that smoke is coming out of the room. Now guess when I put a group of five people, and then I go and, and put again a group of 50 people, what do you think will be the outcome standing? So, okay, in, in one case, you have a group of one, you have one person, then you have five people, then you have two people, right? Yes. So in a case where you have one person, uh, the chances of that person uh, offering a helping hand is higher as compared to the group of 50 people, uh, which is contributed by the bystander effect. So uh, the degree at which people will react will, will depend on the number of people. So if it's one person, then they feel they have that uh, public sector awareness that it's like a, a responsibility to help to offer a helping hand. So they are the only ones who are there, so they feel like it's a responsibility. But if it's a group of 50 people, then, they, then there is that, uh, okay, it's called division of responsibility. So where there are more people present in a situation, uh, people may feel a reduced sense of personal responsibility to take action. So they assume that someone else will intervene, or that person, uh, that someone else is better equipped to handle the situation. So well, even, uh, okay. I think what's, what will happen is that 
be like in a group of five only two people can recognize okay there's smoke coming out in this room then 50 people in that same room um like you've mentioned not all of them can recognize yeah. so it's only a group of five or maybe 10 out of 50 would affect the situation and realize okay this is what is going on and you've mentioned of the diffusion of responsibility as being one of uh, the factor that contributes to this type of situation taking place and we're using the metric of our guys who are in this particular room so and from from that again that the level of responsibility declines so because people assume that uh, maybe uh, this other guy can take charge of the situation. And I think if people have to decide for themselves that uh, this kind of situation needs assistance, then many are likely to come out in number and help. But then there's, there's another one here called um, social influence. So... How does it contribute to this bystander effect from your understanding? For social influence. Yes. So basically, uh, social influence uh, in this situation, in this phenomenon of bystander effect, will uh, refer to the social norms that have been, have been put in place that affect how people associate with others, how people interact, how people take action in different situations. So, in such a situation, you could say that you could use the factor of uh, the, uh, the pluralistic ignorance to, to explain that uh, social influence aspect of the bystander effect. And you could say that uh, people often try to look at other people on how to behave in a bigger situation. So, in a situation like that, where you have to people in a room that is not uh everyone people don't really know how to react in such a situation so they try to look at each other and say how are other people acting so in a way the, the social gathering influences their decision and because of things uh, you are looking at those other people to see how they're behaving if you see that they are also confused you are and they're not taking you are likely to also not take action because uh we try to do what others are doing in a social uh, situation. So that factor will contribute a lot to the, to the bystander effect because of the crowd in the room. And then also I'm saying that it also depends on the mood that this particular individual is in right now. And studies are showing that when someone is in a good mood, it's more likely to offer help rather than when he's overcome with negative mood such as depression with depression and negative mood i'm not so sure but um i think it is yeah. and also let's 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 look also at another factor in this case which you have the competency factor so the knowledge that i have as an individual will determine whether or not I'm likely to help as a part, to help out a person. So let's say if it's a medical kind of situation and I'm not equipped with knowledge such as performing first aid, or generally 
past medical response kind of situation. It necessitates that an expert is needed to come in and help. So I'm likely to ignore a situation whereby I don't know how to act. And just reprinting the early example that I used, that guy is suffering from epilepsy. You know, it's easy for me to work out because I don't understand how to manage someone who has that particular kind of situation. But someone who's better equipped, like a doctor, let's say a nurse, can be the first line response of action to determine how to cope in and save the day in that particular situation. So when we look at something like court and how it plays, we see that we're talking in terms of time and money. So as an individual, I'll sit down and think, is this situation worth my time? Then I'll assess it to see whether I'm likely to get harmed by intervening. So I'll sit back and decide not to help out if it possesses a higher risk. And I must also mention that gender can also come into play a little bit because being realized that women will find it costly to offer help as compared to men who can easily offer help. And it was from a study by, by this guy, I can't really recall the name well, but I'm sure you may have something in regards to that. So, uh, to add on that, the, the, the first time to explain this process is the competence issue. So, you said if you look at yourself and you feel like you don't have the, the first example you gave on uh, on the left, you said if you don't have the financial skills, then you don't know what to do, so you just uh, opt for inaction. So, to add on that, uh, there's something they call a uh, flexible uh, deniability, which also um, is explained by the lack of necessary skills or authority to help. So if, for instance, you're trying to help someone, like, like let's say someone needs CPR or uh, cardiopulmonary uh, resuscitation, but you, you're not, you don't know how to use it, then you can opt for uh, inaction because you don't have the necessary skills or the authority to help because you're not a doctor. So you convince yourself that uh, someone else who is capable will, will step in, maybe a doctor or maybe a nurse and help uh, with the situation. So that is a common uh, thing that uh, people avoid helping. So it's important to note that even in such a situation, even if you don't have the necessary skills to help, by trying to call a specific person in the group who you think can help, it's actually the, the help that you can provide in such a situation. So by saying, I don't have the skills and the in the situation, that's, that, that would be not, but that's not right, because even if you don't have skills, you can still uh, call out someone in the group and get the necessary help. So even though plausible deniability seems to be okay and normal because you can say, oh, you did have this case, so then you need to help. It's still important to understand that you can still offer help by seeking uh, someone who can get the situation. So that's what I understood on that. Well, I forgot to mention something in my story. You talked about not having the necessary skill, but stepping in to help. And Back to my story, I think as Jato was looking out, there's this guy who who told the other people who had surrounded the guy to see whatever was going on. And I had him basically utter that there's this sort of position that they have to place him in. 
and basically perform first team. So you see that that is the guy who has some insight about how to handle that particular kind of situation. Yeah. And I'm also convinced to say something of this nature that the stage of the person will also determine whether or not the bystander effects can take place. Because take over a situation whereby one is drunk or one is ill. Now, there's this guy called Piavin Ital. And in this study, it's interesting that someone is more likely to offer help to an ill person compared to a drunk person. I don't know why it's that. And also, he realized that refs can play a part in a way because the bystander of the same refs will empathize more with the victim and be willing to help out due to the fact that they share a common similarity. And it's weird, but from then on, we can move now to like more examples of this nature. I don't know if you have an example in mind. Uh, okay. Okay, there was a there was, there was a video I was watching recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a homeless guy. Mm-hmm. It was a homeless guy in Atlanta, Georgia, the US. So he was shot. He was some guy who just spoke to the guy. Uh, the guy was sitting on a pavement and he shot him in the head. He tried to argue. They had an argument. Uh, he pushed him and then he shot him in the head. Now there was a petrol station nearby with so many people. Where they were put to work to watch the entire shit and recorded it. So in such a situation, you can see uh, people, like in such a case, you will have expected maybe someone will have offered to help or maybe call the cop because it took a while. The guy was pointing a gun for a while, and then he later shot the guy on the head. So in such a situation, you will have expected someone will have tried to help, maybe call the cop or something, but they just watched according to the video of the other day and that was it. So that's just an example of how how people, uh, that's, what, that's one example of a kind of effect of how it, it, it plays in our society every day. And then I can also give the example of uh, if you read so, the story. So before you go back to before you go back to giving me the second example, okay. um, you're telling me that these guys shot from the head and just people are just there watching. And yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, so they watched. He was pointing the gun. So you know when someone is pointing a gun someone, that's just a violent situation. But the other guy doesn't have a gun. He's a homeless guy. So they keep arguing for a while and then he ends up putting the guy on the head. Yeah. So, so that's a bystander in that particular scenario. I mean, you know, and the, the risk of me losing my life trying to intervene there because this guy might turn to me and shoot me. Yeah. So it poses a difficult kind of dilemma of how I'm supposed to act in that particular situation. Unless, in my thinking, distract this guy who has the gun and get this homeless guy to flee. <laughs> now, okay, distracting the guy seems a, a bit dangerous. So the, the easiest one would be to call a cop, call some cops. If you have a gun, it can, it can help. You know, in the US, they, they normally have guns. So it's different for them. You'll find that you also have a gun, they can fight help. But calling for help is the best, uh, your best chance there because you don't have to actually approach the guy to get help for help. Possible. If police can come, uh, if you can hear the sirens coming, you can actually get the siren in front because you will be arrested if, if they find him. So I guess the, the easiest one is in, in dangerous situations. In dangerous situations and also in situations where you are not competent to help, it's 
all, all, instead of ignoring it, it's better to call for help. That way, you are hopefully have that purpose uh, to help someone. Even if you didn't really deliver the help directly, but you try to uh, call someone for help. So I guess in such a situation, it's only for input that I'm not sure if you've heard of something called the Krav Maga. So it's a martial arts technique where you can become a weapon from your perpetrator real fast and get to save yourself from a difficult kind of situation. So maybe for me, if time allows, I can do a Krav Maga on that guy, you know. <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah. I can throw it away. Yeah, okay, that, that, that makes sense. <laughs> but now, by the way you are explaining it, I'm not sure of the technique. But there we are explaining it, it seems like when you you had to be maybe the homeless guy, the one who could have maybe used that too. But I think someone else coming from a distance to come use that too. They will see you coming and they may maybe try to shoot you from the far. So I'm not sure if it can work. I think it can work if that is the only option you have. Let's say they are like a meter away from you or maybe uh, four feet away from you. But if, if you are if you're far away, I'm not sure if you can just use a technique like that because by the time you arrive, it's maybe no, but the shot. No, no, but first you have to approach the guy. It looks like you'll be blowing kicks in the air or something. Yeah, but, but would be... yeah, I understand. I understand that you can actually approach them, right? But then you'll have to. There are so many assumptions you have to make when it comes to street uh, violence because the problem with street violence is you don't really know what you're dealing with. Not someone you know, so there's so many unknowns. For example, you don't know if the person is mentally disturbed, so they are not going to be rational when it comes to reaction. Because if someone is, is rational, they can actually listen to what you have to say, but if they are not rational, then they can just start speaking again. So it's another thing to consider when it comes to street violence, you have there are so many unknowns, they actually say the best way to is to save yourself from street fight. Street uh, violent uh, incident is just around because there are so many unknowns, so you don't know what that person is planning. You don't know, you have, you have never met the person, so that situation is a bit complicated and risky. Great, that that aside, I think we can tap on to your second example. My, my, my second one wasn't really like that, something I can really uh, substantiate, but I can say if you have read the Princess Diana story, uh, when she had an accident. There was some sort of a standard effect of blame um, that played uh, was was witnessed because I remember there was uh, the issue of photographers and journalists. So I think they were bleeding out and they just kept recording the event, covering trying to get the many photographs possible. So when I read the story and tried to understand how he died, I saw. It actually was a problem because actually the media blamed was blamed a lot from that incident. Like how they just go and cover something is a need they should help to just cover. So that the thing is Diana there was had that issue if you have read about it or watched some documentaries about it, it had that aspect of the standard effect. Well um that side of history to bypass me a little bit, but I can definitely look into that later. Okay. But for me, I have two interesting examples that I wanted to show you. Also, you have like them in a video format. Like a video format that I want to show to you, especially because um, I'm not sure if hmm? audience can see that. 
You can see my screen, right? Yes, I can see a screen. I'm just touch it over again. So just look at look at this. So this is a black girl standing over there. And it's a busy street. You can see people passing. Now notice the difference when a white girl comes over. See the number of people streaming in. Yes. And it, it, it's really uncanny that the video title is racism explained in 30 seconds. And it kind of highlights the point that I raised earlier, whereby uh, people of a particular race, let's say, or a particular convention with regards to culture, are more likely to help a victim of a similar nature because they share a common similarity. Yes. Um, what's my next one? This one's also interesting. So this guy carrying a jerry can full of gasoline. So he places it down. There's a lighter somewhere in his pocket. So he opens the jerry can. He's now pouring it on himself. Look, this lady in a purple shirt, she steps out. So this guy comes preventing See, like it yeah. grabbed the lighter from his pocket. Look, that's when this lady pro, this lady with a white, is it white or purple? With the purple shirt now comes in and intervenes. And you can see like the social influence from there. See, at first, this lady was afraid, but the minute this guy comes in quickly to intervene, she now comes, takes that jerry can and kicks it away. Yeah, it's like a reverse by Sunday section. For sure. And let's look at some, some ways you can overcome these effects because I'm sure there are many effects of the bystander apathy to both individuals and the society. So for me, I'll say that we have to be active bystanders as individuals. And by being an active bystander, I mean it gets to intervene when someone is getting bullied or you see crime taking place. But first, ensure that you're safe somehow. But, you know, individuals ought to realize that there will be no one else observing the particular situation or witnessing it. Or just rather assume you're the only one witnessing it and the perpetrators of that particular act, act can be shouted at maybe just use a calm, firm, authoritative voice or interject by saying, hey, by the way, I'll call the police. But it's not really how you like threaten someone to call the police. I mean, but taking responsibility should be voluntarily and it shouldn't feel forced. So let's act fast before waiting for others to act. And for the society, they have to be training, social awareness in place and social initiatives taking place. I don't know, but... Maybe it applies in other states that there are legal frameworks to guide individuals when helping someone out. So they encourage people to be good Samaritans, and by so doing, they're able to help individuals or victims involved in a particular threatening situation. So I'm sure there are practical strategies for intervening in emergency situations, like calling out for help, providing reassurance, 
in taking action to address the problem. So, in your own thinking, how should an individual call out for help, or rather provide reassurance to a victim involved? So, okay, uh, that one will depend on the, 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 the scenario. So, in a scenario whereby uh, helping the, the victim to uh, put your life in danger, it's more advisable to call for help. It's better you call for help if uh, you call the paramedics or you call the police uh, or you call the fire fire department, depending on the situation. So a situation that puts your life in danger, more advisable to, to call the police, call for help, depending on uh, the kind of situation. But in situations whereby you can you can actually provide help uh, by yourself, you, it's, it's better to, to get help before calling for help. So if, if, uh, if someone are experiencing uh, maybe a breathing problem, you can try to provide a CPR, and then later you can call uh, for help. So some, 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 some scenarios that are dangerous, and that help that you provide actually can save that person's life before the, the expert arrives at that person or uh, fire people. So uh, the strategy to provide for help will change depending on the situation. And the good thing about uh, humans, we have the survival instinct. So, like in the video that you just shown, where the guy uh, was trying to, to light himself on fire, and and guy came and I grabbed the lighter from him. In such a scenario, he just acted on instinct, and he knew the best way to continue was to just grab that lighter instead of trying to call me for someone else or waiting for other people to please help. So, because of that. It's, it's in our human nature to to survive, and we, we use that to actually also help other people. So I believe there are no specific ways that you can use to help. So depending on the situation, you just figure out like this is the best thing to do to help this person. So also it depends on your expertise. So if you have like the, the, the technique explained, the the martial artist, um, the, the martial art technique explained of disarming someone with a gun. So if you have that skill, of course, then you can use it. So it just depends also with your level of expertise and also the situation that you are dealing with. So it is, okay, it's, it's important to understand that our responsibility as humans to, to be here for other people. If other people are whenever something bad happens, and even if you can't provide direct help, you can always call for help and end up saving someone's life. So if someone maybe is trying to commit a suicide, you can try to talk to them or you can call experts at the same time and try to reassure them that they'll still help and things like that. So you just have to know how to help. But it's very important to be aware of the bystander effect so that whenever you're in a situation like that, you can notice it arising so that you don't end up being like all the other people in the in the in the area and you, you don't help the person. So it's good to be self-aware and help people whenever they need in public situations. We also need to foster this culture of helping and reducing the bystander effect in our communities. Perhaps model helpful behaviors. If you see our leaders or the social influencers that we have in our society helping in whatever way that they can, then we are also prompted as individuals to emulate them because we adopt this mindset if they can, why can I not? And 
community is also important. I think as a sense of togetherness through promotion of shared goals and values. And this can be done through organizing activities and events, including, let's say, a bystander awareness month, just people meeting out and passing this awareness, educating each other that people need to know the importance of the bystander effect and its effect in the society. So, as we wrap it up, my question to you is, would you rather help an ill guy or a drunk guy? Just imagine that situation for a second. So it's a situation uh, between a drunk and ill guy. Um, so for me, I would help the, the sick guy. I'll go with the sick guy. Reason being. Okay, the reason why I'll go with the sick guy is because okay, the drunk guy is not actually sick, they're just drunk. So they'll feel sober up at some point and they'll be fine. And even if the, the alcohol is actually making them maybe sick at that particular moment, I'd still have to choose the sick guy because in a way the sick guy didn't choose the predicament. But you could say the irrational thinking and the decisions that this guy made with the drunk guy, in a way they led him to the situation that they're in. So it would be better to offer help to the other to the guy who actually needs the help the, the, the sick guy. Well, Stan here just concluded Pilavian Ital study. And in most occasions, people are more likely to help an ill person compared to a drunk person. And I started it to be true. That's a wrap for this episode and to our audience out there thank you for your listenership and support if you enjoyed this episode subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review for any feedback or suggestions reach us by email to thinkingimprove at gmail.com and we'll gladly hear from you until next time goodbye